Hi there, guys. Welcome to Group Sensalos Podcast. I'm your host, Mestre Pedro. This is our episode number 30. Today's guest is Mohamed Choran, a.k.a. Gorilla. Gorilla is a blue core of mine that has been teaching capoeira in China for a number of years now. He comes from a, a pretty unique background. You know, he is from the UK and uh, he used to be a, a pretty good boxer. So we talk about, you know, the importance of the, his training routine and, and how he used the, the, the routine of training uh, to transform his body, you know, to adapt to capoeira moves and positions. And uh, among other things, we talk about China. You know, China has been a lot in, uh, in the news recently, and uh, I think it's pretty much one-sided, you know. And uh, I had, you know, I was lucky enough to go there and support his work for a, a number of times already. And uh, it's it's impressive. China is impressive. It's the size, the speed of transformation that is happening, you know. So we, we talk about that and a, a lot of other things. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. And uh, don't forget to subscribe. Valeu. Axé. Hi there guys, welcome everyone. So today I have here um, a student of mine, a, a graduado, who has been in, uh, in China now for, I believe, seven years. And uh, I, I think it's, it will be a good to have a, a talk with him because he has a quite unique uh, perspective on things and, and uh, it's just nice to catch up and you guys can also get to know, you know, know him and know his work hi mo how's it going yeah it's going good it's going good it's good to be on the podcast i've been listening to it. it's uh going really well you know so it's nice to be on to talk about things and i think now is like a important time to talk about things especially coming from china right so yeah man and also like you know this this uh i just i just finished recording one about what I have been doing during the quarantine, you know, and I was saying how it felt like a, a two-leg sweep, you know, that for a, a fraction of a moment, you 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 lose the the the, the track. Where is the ground? Where is the where is the ceiling? And you know that you have to fall. You know, you're gonna fall. You gotta fall well because the game is gonna go on. And this is more or less how it felt. This whole quarantine, you know, and I think for you as well, you can say that better than anyone, right? How how was the the, the whole thing? Because you were in China in the middle of it. If you could, yeah, start with that, would be cool. Well, I mean, <laughs> honestly, where do I start with this? Like, I'm sure for everybody, um, like the quarantine time has been crazy. Um, but yeah. so, like for some people, like it's been been bad, and for some people, it's been really bad. And I think some people don't understand how for some people it's been like extremely bad. Like I know in the UK, like people have been on furlough, like the work stopped and things like this. But, you know, there's a lot of people who have like literally, like, especially expats lost everything. Yeah, a lot like, of people you know, died so, as well. You know? A lot of people, people lost yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, loved I mean, ones. I mean I'm, 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 not even, I'm not even talking about like the, the health part of it yet like i mean that's a whole other thing altogether i'm just talking about like the yeah. the, the financial economic, economical yeah. thing. like it's like like i'm like i know people who are like stuck in africa who basically like you know like i know people who were on like when this whole thing happened like 
and like it happened like like that yeah. everything shut down airports shut down i know like friends who were catching connecting flights and one of our connecting flights was in uh, nairobi and so one i know a friend who got stuck in nairobi and she's still in nairobi she's been there for eight months you know like yeah like people got stuck everywhere like it's 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 insane so like it's it's been a pretty hard time for like a lot of people for us like the situation was like we were in uh china and of course everything hit, came out in china much quicker than the rest of the world so around about january time like like it was blowing up here um and i think the chinese were kind of scared because for most of the generation like um from the so from that kind of time of SARS, were really scared, you know. So they were like, "Wow, like let's panic, panic mode." So that they started yeah. like it was, they were reviving all of those things that had happened already to them. So there was a panic. Uh, I sent my wife and daughter like out of China. I sent them to um, my wife's home country, which is Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan. So they just like um, so they just went out there, and I tried to deal with things here because you know we have a life here. Um, and yeah, like at one point I got really, really hot and so like I had to leave. And when I left, I went to Uzbekistan and literally like a month later, they closed the border to everything. So it's important to mention China closed the borders, mean like they, they are not letting uh, foreigners come back into the country, right? And, and that's it. No, no foreigners, like any, any foreigners who had like, like, like not even visas, but full on like residency permits. Uh, were like they cancelled all of them overnight and they were like no you can't get back in here so that was that that was that situation like locked out and we were dealing with like that and like we went to like some difficult times like we lost our home and lost like a whole load of our things it was crazy um and then uzbekistan did the same thing they locked all the borders no borders nobody going in and nobody going out so we were, we were so we're stuck in Uzbekistan as well, um, and then like a few months in, maybe like four months into it, like we managed to get, I managed to organize like some sort of like um, flight with the British embassy to come to the UK because I caught wind that they were letting um, foreigners back into China. Um, yeah. So I was like, this is the only chance. Like you need to like you need to take it because like. We were trying to like salvage what we actually had in China at the time. It's good um, if you give some insight. What what is that you do in China as well? Um, well, just now, like uh, apart from the capoeira, like uh, I run a, a school over here. I run a, a Montessori school. So like at this whole period of time, like um, I've been keeping that kind of a flow, which has been very difficult. Now this is amazing, you know, like amazing that you managed. Is it still running with you being? away so long all i all i can say is that um in really difficult times you realize who your true friends are and this place is only running through like the help of some really close people that have um helped out otherwise like this would be closed and that's my honest answer so like thanks to them just shout out to them for like you know like doing these things my, my yeah. boy brian Definitely one of them who like helped me out a lot and like wouldn't be like happening without those guys. So shout out to them. Um, so like, yeah, I mean, everything's still running. Like as I went back to UK, I literally got out of UK two weeks ago. I was there for like almost like five months. Yeah. Um, 
which is crazy. Like I never, <laughs> never thought I was going to be in UK for five months, you know? Um, and yeah, like I've like tried everything now to get back into China. I made it. I'm back in China. Um, not easy, like not easy getting back into this place. Um, yeah. But just recently, actually, after all of that uh, commotion, they just opened the the rule. They relaxed the rule for like for um, for Europeans and also people who had permits before that they were allowed to come back now. So like there's a bit of that going on. But it's like it's very like robotic, like to get into this place. Like you. You have, of course, like most places, you have to do COVID nineteen tests and all that before you get on the plane. It's normal, right? But yeah. like you have to do COVID tests before you get on the plane. You have to have like tests sent to consulates and stamped before you get on the plane. Your flight can't be like um, transiting through another airport. You have to go directly there. Like I was in Zurich, and like I literally was about to get on the plane, and the lady was like, "Nah, you're not getting on the plane. I'm sorry." And so, like, I, like, yeah, like, I, like, well, I was, like, flying to Hong Kong and then from Hong Kong to Shanghai to Guangzhou. And they were, like, no, I'm sorry, you're not getting on the plane. And I was, like, oh, my God. Like, you don't well, you got on the like, plane, right? No, I never got on that plane. Like, they canceled. They, 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 never, they never locked me on the flight. Uh, so I slept 24 hours in transit and talked to um, Swiss Airlines. We did a little deal when they managed to get me on another flight straight to Shanghai the next day, which is which was a direct flight. So Because that, that's the thing. Sometimes the, the airlines are so worried about being fined by the, the government that they, they don't, they become more strict and they don't know what the deal is. And I've, I've had this problem with uh, flying to, to Iran without a visa. And the guy said, you don't have a visa. I said, I don't need a visa. I can get a visa to arrive. I was like, no. And then the guy like almost didn't let me on the plane as well. Yeah. I mean, they have, they have a script. Like for the Chinese one, they had a script of what was allowed. Um, and they had like in bold, like uh, capital letters. No foreign. Nobody allowed. is allowed on the flight if they transit through another airport. No transiting. And at the time, I was like, that's almost impossible. It's mm. almost impossible. No, no direct flights to China, I feel. Yeah, like, so, like, luckily, they, I mean, they, they, they had the option at the time. They were like, why don't you get on a flight to Frankfurt and then wait? And there's a, there might be a flight, and you might get a seat. It's fully booked, but someone might pull out. And I'm like, the likelihood of that happening is, like, very low. So give mm. me some other options. So they were like, yeah, like tomorrow you can wait 24 hours as a flight to Shanghai. So I just made it because my COVID-19 test was due up on that day. You know, China had just changed the policy from five days to 72 hours of getting a COVID-19 test. So it, it was like yeah. a movie story. I literally just got on that flight and I was yeah, like, oh, it, it, God. It, it kind of reminds me of getting the visa for China because it's like, it's a, it's a, it was a list. Like, was a list, it was... It, it is as hard as applying for, like, paying your, your... They needed more documents than when you pay your taxes here. You know, like, they want, like, six years of, of bank. And, and, the, and the agents say, like, look, China changed this every time. Like, not even we know how to do it. And, I, you know, I, I think I've been, like, three times that I applied for the visa. And every time it was different, you know? But uh, it's, it's amazing the speed that they change things. It's amazing how it's a, it's an always evolving system, you know, and, and how they manage to pull it across. And in a way, it kind of, 
is a good example of what China is about. No, would you say that? Well, I would definitely definitely say that. I mean, they've they've changed a lot over the years. Like as I said, they have literally even if, like people don't want to admit it, they have become the leading global economy in the world just now. And the yeah. reason why it's so difficult to get a visa just to get in here is because like it's literally like America a hundred years ago when they had that slogan American Dream. Like today, like it's like what's American Dream? It doesn't like what's it's not really a land of opportunity. Like but in China it's the it's the land of opportunity. So like the government knows that and everybody yeah. is trying to get into China to do business and to do things. So like and, and everything's there, there is really there is the this this whole I when I was there there was this buzz. You know, like this buzz, this energy of like young people passing through and everybody's like it's amazing that the, the expat community how thriving it is and, and uh, how interest and keen China is on, on the outside world and and I and I think that is a big gap on how people actually see China, you know, and, and, and dividing things, you know, like what is the people of China, what is the government of China and and uh, we were talking about this in the beginning, how how there is so much China bashing and you know trying to throw this at them, and you know it's, I mean here it's a bit of a like there's so much hatred and misinformation going around, and people getting the wrong idea of things, and you know I think you can, well, can of speak. Course it is. Like, of course, it is. it's like it's like it's like America, like in Trump. Like Trump, like people see Trump and like, oh my God, America's like this. And it's like, well, that's not true because that's not America. That's one individual. And it's the same with China. The government is the government and the people are the people. And the people are a vast nation of different like cultures. Like you've got like this, the size of China is like phenomenal. Like you've got so many different like cultures and dialects and like things across the board. And everybody seems to always dwell on the past of China, like um, the Cultural Revolution and Mao and these things like this. And it's like, well, yeah, that happened and it wasn't the best. And yes, they did lose a lot of culture. But and like, also in that, there is a lot of misinformation too, right? Yeah, but there's a, lot, there's a lot of misinformation. But people don't see the positive of things either. Like they don't understand that because of that, China has become a rapidly fast developing country that wants to take in as much things as possible from other places like they're so good at like finding out stuff and creating their own things like one of the only places outside of america in the world that has their own silicon valley they have their own stuff their fashion every like year changes like this everything's fast moving and fast paced like the technology is 10 years ahead of the rest of the world like they're doing things like crazy um People yeah. call it like crazy. People call it different things. People say it's totalitarian states, not as kind of jazz. And it's like, okay, I mean, like, there's some elements of this and whatever, but like, you have to live in China before you can make those claims. Yeah. Because it's, see, it's, like, it's uh, like to, to point, because I, I love these international relations stories and how things get portrayed and how people form their opinion on what they read. And I remember when I arrived in the UK 20 years ago. I used to read regularly the Times was the cheapest paper at the time and and uh, there was always articles saying like oh China is going to is going to bust any minute you know they are building bridges that are falling on its own and always putting this idea that it was about to fail and yet it was growing like 10 to 12% a year 
and no other Western countries have done this in the last forty years that I that I know of. Well, you know, like look look at I I just recently watched that documentary at Netflix made called Social Dilemma, and even they stated in it that you know fake news uh, is six times easier to spread than like real news. Yeah. So people buy into that stuff. It's easy. Like it's like this. That's bad. This is bad. Look at this. Blah 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 blah. And like you know they buy into it. It needs more research. As I said, with China, like, you know, like, it's easy to say things, but like, you know, like, come over, check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Chinese person, like, understand things, you know, don't just make an assumption of based on watching what reading, like, the Daily Mail, or whatever it is. Like, I don't know, like, I mean, it's not even the Daily Mail. I think it's a, it's a little bit more subtle than this, you know, than this. It's like, it's like BBC, you know, and, and, uh, here they've been talking a lot about the, the uh, one million Uyghurs Muslims that are incarcerated and how terrible it is and and when you look at it you know like it's it's a country with a billion people you know okay you cannot really more 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 yeah more, 1.3 1.4 but but no, uh, 1. 1. 1.6 1.7 it's a lot more than that. yeah yeah but what, what I'm oh. saying is that you cannot keep you. It, in today's world, it's impossible to keep something like this undercover because, you know, okay, you don't have Google, you don't have Facebook, but if you have a VPN, you can. I've, I've posted stuff live on Facebook, being in China, you know, on Instagram. And, and uh, when you look into a little bit deeper of those articles, it's always... There is always something fishy about it. And, and uh, if you could just put it like... Because you, you are an Iranian, you know... Uh, and how you see this whole thing with, uh, you know, being who you are, you ever being persecuted or, you know, discriminated because of your ethnicity or, you know, uh, being Iranian, people can relate that maybe you're religious, which I don't think is the case. But how do you see that? I, I think, I think, um, I think uh, the West or humanity, maybe in general, is very quick to make assumptions of things like, um, like like being being coming from a um an Iranian family like growing up in the UK like it wasn't the easiest of times and people make a lot of had made a lot of quick assumptions especially after 9/11 it was a very difficult period for Middle Easterns in general like all over the world like people like I guess Chinese are going through it now like that's the problem like like they became the new Middle Easterns like you know like Middle Easterns took it for like a couple of decades and people just everywhere you go like it was like the word terrorist like that was just like the thing it was thrown under the thing that the assumption was that every single middle eastern was a terrorist which is like it's yeah when you say it when you say it it's so ridiculous right yeah and that's almost yeah. like, and that's almost with chinese just now like you know people are saying these things about chinese and whatever but like in 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 a in a in a, in a, a certain amount of time it's going to become the same thing it's going to be so ridiculous what they're saying because that's kind of what it is it's ridiculous it's just assumptions that one concept is the entire nation of everything which is really difficult to do as you said it's almost two billion people in china how can you say everybody's this one idea yeah or like like saying all middle Easterns are what's one idea it's stupid and uh, and uh, i like to to point as well that uh, the the i don't know how to pronounce it properly the uyghurs muslims are the ones who kind of trade they trade money on the street right they have like yeah. the, that's who I traded money last time I was there. Uh, Anna 
you know, took me around, and you can see the guys in a kind of uh, regular uh, home, you know, home uh, clothes. You know, they have some typical, and they are kind of it's it's a it's a yeah. yeah there's, it's a there's, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of that going on, like with like those guys, like they <laughs> it's it's a it's a quick way to kind of like change money instead of, instead of having to do the whole bank thing and whatever. Yeah. But I guess it's like any shady guy that you meet anywhere, like if you walk down the streets of London. And someone said, Yeah, change money on the street. And it was kind of funny because if you're talking about like two, three hundred pounds, and I was like, Are you sure this is safe? And it was like totally cool. No, no, it's not. It's not. We we said that to you just so you would like calm down, but of of course, like, but uh, but uh, there's a risk with everything, like, yeah, but uh, yeah, I wanted to to to. You know, actually, we were talking about not to even to stop, but we already went into this. But it was nice. It was good to talk uh, about you starting the uh, your you starting capoeira, and also you were like a, a sportsman before. You were a fighter, right? You were a, a boxer, British champion. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was a boxer. Like I wasn't. I wasn't, I wasn't British champion at professional level. It was. It was kind of like amateur level um, through the the universities kind of thing. So like I yeah I, I boxed. I boxed at a middle middleweight level. When did you um, start? I started boxing when I was maybe like sixteen, seventeen, like around about this age. You know. Okay. And, and when I, you were when you were on that level, what was your kind of like? routine of training time wise oh like like at that at that time that's the training at that time was the hardest training i ever did in my life like i was training seven days a week like my normal this would be my normal day of training like and i'm not even joking so i would i would wake up uh, in the morning uh, and go for a run right and then i would uh finish off get ready go to college uh go for a swim uh like from do like a nice long couple of miles in the pool, come out, uh, do my other half of college, uh, come out, uh, have something to eat, go to the gym, go for another run, do like uh, five miles, um, go back into the gym, like three, four hours of training, including like sparring for like, like 20 something rounds. Uh, and like literally I would get chucked out of that place every night and then I would go home and do stretching. And I did that like, five days a week then on on so then on sundays and saturdays i would do long distance running like like go out for like maybe like 20 miles 25 miles and including all the different training and stuff as well so like i was like i was like extremely extremely fit like cardiovascular wise like i was extremely fit um and because i trained so much like i had really become a bit of a like like yeah gorilla gorilla is is your is your nickname right and and uh, yeah and, uh, gorilla was my nickname uh, so when you started capoeira you were uh, you were still a uni how was that um i mean it was it was good like i i um i had went to brazil like a few years before starting capoeira and the reason why i started capoeira was because i saw it when i was in rio and uh, I mean, I was very like mesmerized by seeing it. They, they had it on Copacabana Beach and they were like playing casually, just like jumping about the place. And I was like, yeah, wow, that's so interesting. Like, and then like, I never saw it again. I came back to the UK and I was like, wow, I'm never going to do that again. Like I never see, see that again, sorry. 
and then it just happened by luck. I was in university. They had like a, you know, they have these like kind of like sports uh, yeah, days, sort of clubs kind of thing. And it was almost like a sliding doors moment, you know, like in my life. I always think of it like that because, you know, like I, I was like, if I, if I, if I hadn't went left and I went right, like maybe I would have never did Capoeira. And I went left and I went inside and I walked around and there was all these like rugby guys and all the different sports clubs. And at the end. There was this one little guy like wearing like a hoodie like this, and he just had so like, Jean, huh? yeah, so Jean, you know, He just had like the TV blaring, and I and like I saw like in the TV it was a like, capoeira, and I was like, wow, I've I've seen this before. What is this? And he's like, it's capoeira, and I'm like, all right, okay, like where, when, how? Like so, like I went to the class, and I was hooked, addicted. I gave up. I gave up boxing like that. Pump. I gave up, and wow. I was like, I want to do this. I didn't know so that. Like, and yeah. and, and the, that was which year? Just to put in context, 2000 and? I think that was like 2004 or five. Cool. Yeah. Now, I remember when, when, when uh, I met you, you know, that you, you were pretty impressive. And, and I remember, like, you, you telling me that you, you couldn't do handstands very well. And, and I asked you to, to raise the arm and you, you kind of gave me like, you, you couldn't lift your arms up and, and, uh, and to see you now, how much, you know, you, you, you've come into this. And, and I guess the question is, do you, when you were training Capoeira, were you doing just the classes that you had or you doing other stuff or like, or your own stuff? How was that relationship with training Capoeira? Well, you know, like uh, when I started training Capoeira, it was, I was very like I was younger, of course, like, and I was very enthusiastic. So like every day was like Capoeira day, you know, like every single time was. But the problem was that I wasn't training specific technique. I was like going crazy, like every day, like I was like, let's do fifty more towels, you know, like this stupid stuff like this. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, more I, I used to call yeah. it the. The angustiante, the agonizing, because yeah. you never knew if you're gonna land it or not. But yeah, yeah. Right. the thing is, when I, when I, when I first learned more towels, the problem was I, I learned, I was very big and I, I never learned the proper technique. No one ever said to me that when you jump a more towel, that you have to not throw your head back, you have to push your chest up, and yeah. then at the peak of at the peak of the moment, you have to spin. I never, I wasn't taught this, you know. Like if I, like now I know, like you. You keep a you keep a tennis ball on your chin, and then you try to do a mortal. Uh, that's 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 the technique of it. Um, so like I was just going crazy at those times, and I was big. Like I was, I, I had to overcompensate. Like you know, like I feel I'm almost almost envious of those guys uh, and girls who started capoeira like at young age, and they're like flexible and nimble. Like I, for me, like at the start of capoeira, everything relied on power and like uh, yeah. power. It's just more yeah. power. Everything was power based. Like my kicks, everything was because I had a very, like, small range of like, like you know, flexibility. Like as yeah. you said, like my hands, I couldn't raise them like any higher than like a certain place. Like my legs, like I, it was very, very difficult. I couldn't do like, um, I couldn't do a punch. Like oh my yeah. god, that was like the most challenging move in the world. Like to do a punch, um. So like a lot of the movement was power based, but it wasn't until I got into my like my my journey in Capoeira that I started to like feel okay. I need to like I need to break my body down here. I need to like take it away. Like I need to take I need to get rid of all this muscle. And that was yeah. the hardest part was to get rid of 
like people say like to get rid of fat and things is hard but to get rid of muscle it's really difficult to just get rid of it like it's just it's like my neck used to be like this and like yeah nah, nah. like had to like get rid of that that took a long time a lot yeah. of, like, it's it, it's an interesting thing you know like that sometimes people who have the more difficulty in the beginning you know they they are the ones who end up you know persisting more because they they really want and sometimes you have i i've seen this so much like people who had an amazing gift to pick up the moves, the idea of the game, the subtlety, but, you know, the, just because it came so easy for them, they not necessarily had the same desire to do it, you know? And uh, I have been always the... Uh, the taste of his coffee. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Thank you. A little coffee break. And, and, and the... Uh, you know that how the real the fuel really is your your desire to to you know d despite of the prognostic you know or you're not the flexible you know I I know actually a master today who is doing a PhD in learning motri motricity and uh, when he was young he was a, a a young chubby kid and his master at a time said look you should go and do judo because you are a heavy built you're not really built for capoeira. And that really upset him because he really liked capoeira. So he ended up training with another master. And today he's a master himself. He set up an NGO that does an amazing work with, uh, you know, uh, uh, kids in Rio. And, you know, but so it, this is the kind of thing, you know, that uh, if you really want, there's nothing that can stop you. I guess, like, not to get, like, philosophical about it, but, like, it's almost like life in a sense that like human beings are designed to want... Um, challenge in life if life is too easy they get bored you know like we i really i really i really i'm really one of these people that believe like there's no such thing as like a utopian place like you know human beings if we had a utopia would probably smash something just to like yeah see what would happen next you know so like we we like challenge and yeah like for most people like who can't really do those moves like the, it's the challenge is like a lifetime of work and with those people who come in and can just do the moves like that like like, well, this is boring. I need something to challenge me. So for me, I was definitely one of those people. I was like, I want to just do a punch. Never mind anything else, you know? <laughs> I want to just do, like, I want to just do it like this. So, like, for me, like, yeah. I mean, and still, like, it's been, like, oh, it's been, like, what, 16 years now? And, like, I'm still, you know, like, finding, like, a lot of things. I mean, of course, like, I'm much more nimble and flexible now. A lot yeah. more power in different areas. But um, I still find a lot of challenges along the way, and it's good. I mean, like, I, I honestly believe I could do capoeira rest of my life and still not learn everything. Yeah, yeah, so no, there's too me many too, many man. I, to I... It's funny, because now, with, with the lockdown and having to adjust to this new system, you know, like, you know, because that's the thing, like, one day I realized, before the government actually stopped things here, that, like, we can't, I can't carry on teaching this. We have, to, I have to cancel all the new classes that I'm doing. It has to stop. I'm not going to do this demonstration on Saturday. And I remember that I, I, I decided to stop even before the government locked down. And I said, look, the kids, the schools are going to stop. This is going to happen. You know, like this is, this is the real deal. And then there was like within a week I was teaching online, you know? So this is one of the things about 
a pandemic, it can r really revolutionize the way that we interact. There is like the, the time for debate is over. You know, like before people were talking, oh, should we do learning through the internet? That was a debate if it was good, if it wasn't good. And maybe this debate will go on, but it, it happened. It was happening. Within a week, I was teaching online, and actually, it, there is a lot of downside of it. You know, for a lot of people, it's a, it's a big turn off. But at the same time, it opened the doors, at least for our group, you know, that is, I, I could never imagine that I was teaching, like, for Iran, for Capoeira in Iran. You know, the guy who is there, he's. I trained with him in a month more than I trained with him in 10 years, you know, because he was doing two, three times a week. But this is the one thing I wanted to, to like really talk to you about, because, you know, like things have dramatically changed over the, over the past year in a lot of way. And specifically about capoeira, you know, capoeira is, um, is, a, is an art form that comes, you know, like it's a, it's a certain, it's a certain, it's, it's a very unique art form that relies on like, you know, the closeness uh, and being connected and like like when you play capoeira it's always you can't play capoeira from the other side of the room like with each other you have to be in there in the moment um and like so like i've seen like a lot of things happen like just now like capoeira if there is any classes going on people are doing classes in squares by themselves uh people are doing it now online like you're teaching all your classes online people are learning online like um, the whole time I was in the UK, not once did I get a, <laughs> to get a, to go to a class. Anyway, everybody was online. So, like, I mean, what do you think's gonna happen? Because this, this is this is kind of is like what they're saying. It's not like it's like people said before. Like as you said, um, like this what, online thing. Maybe not now. Later, it, it's now literally become the new norm, as they're saying. So everything's now like this. So, what do you think's gonna happen now with the development of capoeira, like? I think like if I if we were to start first with the with the I think for a lot of people it's really hard because what attracted a lot of people was the sense the holistic sense of capoeira this community this get together the energy of together playing you know but but uh, for those who are keen on on learning technique and developing the routine you know and I remember this I always tell this story about this chubby. 17 year old student that you know in Edinburgh he asked me mastery what I wasn't even a master then I was a green cord and he asked me what do you need to to become good in capoeira and I, I gave him the answer that I give to everyone I said look you need to start a routine on your own of training you know start with half an hour two times a week and every two weeks you increase 20 percent when you reach Three hours a day, five days a week, you give me a call. And, and uh, you know, people have asked me that before, and I have said that same answer. And then, like, three months or a few months later, he calls me on a Friday, like, <sighs> and, like, with deep breathing. And he's like, oh, this is, this is, uh, you told me to call you when I, I did three hours uh, a day, five days a week. So the routine of training on your own is a part that if you want to improve fast, is really important. You know, and what Capoeira, what this tool now does is that you can have access to so much training, you know, which is, is if you watch, there is a trend happening, you know, when like mid 90s, there was like the videos, you could get tapes, like the, the, the Capoeira Hoda tapes was something that was searched like, like hell, everybody wanted to see, you know, when Mestre Spirro Mirim came around, 
with his moves, it was the gold. Or to have that Roda, you know, the 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 the, the video cassette was the thing. Then you know, a few years ago came YouTube, and there is so much stuff now. And now with Zoom, it means that you you can in interact. So I understand that it can be a big turnoff for those guys who who don't already have the habit of training on their own, you know? And and I know that for a lot of people here in Europe as well, they don't have a room that is big enough to train, you know? But but uh, I think it's a tool that is here to stay, you know? And I think, like, I, I plan to, to, when this pandemic is over and we can still train in, in groups, we will be able to host a class at the same time in China, in Iran, in the UK, in groups, you know, like each group there, and I'll be with a, in my academy teaching a class, and I'll be showing, look, guys, this is what we're going to do now, and work from there. So I think that it's, it's there's no going back on this, you know, like, it, it, I think that this crazy of the pandemic, of we having to stop and not interacting with each other, which is really hard, you know, it's really frustrating if you couldn't leave the house, and if you live in a small flat, and you know, it's really, really the, 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 the mental health of people really being challenged those, those, these times. But uh, I think that having this routine of training is really good. And I think that after this is gone, it's, it's going to stay. You know, there will be something that will be incorporated into our, that at least I plan to, you know, I plan to, to, to try to keep doing this because it's a way now, you know, you, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, Mo. I will be chasing you like let's 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 arrange a training. Let's you know what I mean? Because in the end of the day, that's that's what it is. You know, I think it's is the connection that the internet allows us to do. I mean, I I I, I like I like that aspect of it. I like the whole being able to like sitting in the UK, be able to like connect with somebody who's in Tehran or in Beijing or in like Chicago at the same time and do a class. I mean, I think that's, that's an awesome thing because it's bringing the world closer together in a certain sense. Um, but I'm just like, you know, for me, like, I guess like, you know, I'm, I'm not talking, I'm talking for somebody who's like, somebody who's been in Capoeira and has grew up in Capoeira and like, like they've seen Capoeira, like the essence of Capoeira, like that whole, that whole fundamental thing of like the Hoda and the Bateria and everybody playing in the, the, the Cap in the Hoda together, that kind of thing. I mean, when do you think you're going to start to see like that come back where people can actually be next to each other and not wearing a mask while they're oh. singing you know, and, and being able to like, you know, just kind of feel comfortable about the play, like playing Jogo di Dentro together, you know, Angola or something like this and being that yeah. close, you know, like I'm just, I'm, for me, like I'm seeing, I'm seeing this like burst of like, like internet craziness, which is crazy, but I'm just wondering about what, where that's going to take the development of Capoeira too? Are we going to end up losing that connection, which is like the old, the the, the magic of Capoeira, that Hoda thing? Or is everybody going to start training individually? Is that going to be the new thing now with Capoeira? It goes into this kind of like online training platform or like, what do you think in that sense? Yeah, I think that now... You know, according to the UK restrictions, you cannot, you cannot, different households cannot, there is the rule of six, right? If there is an a, a extra, some cities here have an extra lockdown, you cannot, there can be no mixing between households at all. So I think that it's a, 
for health reasons, we cannot interact, you know? But I think that even though it's really hard to imagine uh, a time where, oh, this, is, we, this will pass. I have no doubt about it, you know? It's going to take a little while, but this will pass. And, and uh, the point becomes, what do you do with the time that you have now, you know? And, and, and I think that Capoeira, there is like, people always train on their own. It's just that before, you, you know, if you don't, didn't have the time, the habit of training on your own, you wouldn't know that the guys were doing this, but people were training on their own. Uh, uh, so I think that, that it, it's, a, it's, a, it just means that now we can train on our own, but at the same time together, you know? But, uh, but I think this will pass, this will pass and we'll, we'll be, you know, and that is also like a, a generational thing, right? I'm, I'm 45 now, people who are 60s and, you know, and because information is so much available, you know, and you can learn a move and you can learn like a technique of doing some really cool acrobatics and you can, you can learn so much, but, but, uh, so there is a certain generational fear, you know, like people, they fear, oh, if you are on the phone, you know, like the phone is making, is making a, a mental health worse. Uh, it's, it's a tool, right? It's a tool. Like people, people had similar reaction when the radio technology was introduced, when TV was introduced. And, you know, we, we, we still, we still thrived, you know? I think that the, the technology kind of exposed us for what we are, you know, like back in the day, you know, if you had uh, some mental health issues, you wouldn't, you wouldn't talk about it, you know, you, there was, I think the internet gives a voice to everyone, you know, so I think that now you just, it just bothers people that there's so many people talking about the situation or, you know what I mean? So I think is is yeah. Overall, I'm a, I'm very optimistic, you know, on this side, the 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 effect of of technology in our in our everyday life and how we communicate and how we can work as a, it gives also the sense of collectiveness, you know, like what we can do together, you know, and and if we take the the group mentality with focus, it's amazing because in a way it is what China is about, you know, like men. In the last 40 years, wages, say here in the UK, in, in the Western world, has not increased, you know? In the same time that the, the, the GDP of, of, of the US went 500% and the stock market went 700%, the wages just went 5% in average up. And, and uh, the reason the poverty diminished in the world is because China rose and all the those numbers, all those peoples came out of, you know, being misery. So I think that there is this, you know, it, it will give you us, give us a, a conscious of, of, of group of like who we are and where we want to go. And so this is how I see it, you know, and I think for Capoeira will be, will give us a, a better awareness of what we are as a group, you know, what we are as, as a community, you know, and what we want to do. What is Capoeira? Like, I don't think we should take up with of its context of where it came from, you know, of, 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 uh, you know, it came from a, a system that oppressed, divided, put one against each other. And if you look at what Capoeira actually does, 
is, is the antidote. That's why I love to say that capoeira is the antidote because it puts people together regardless of where you're from, what's your religion, your ethnicity. We all have a role in the hoda. So this is this is what I think, yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I guess like you have to like go with like the times. I mean, like I guess that's why, I guess that's why China, as you said, is, is developed in such a way because like um, it's went with the times, it's went with the technology and it's embraced it and it's moved on and so it's rapidly growing. Um, and I know like that's, I mean, I guess you have two choices. You can fight it or yeah. you can go with it. And if you fight it, you're constantly complaining about it. You're distancing yourself from it. You're putting yourself in the corner and all the rest of it. Or, um, but I guess like my only concern is, especially when it comes to capoeira is, for me, as a capoeirista, the reason why you train, the reason why you do everything is for that one moment in the hoda to play somebody. It's that magical moment that you have. It's, it'd be like, um, it'd be like, um, like a person doing jujitsu, right? And fighting. They do all of that training just to have, you know, like those three rounds in the octagon, you know, like it's like for Capoeira, it's like this, you train and train, you train five, seven days a week, three hours a day, whatever, but it's all for that moment of being able to play and have the freedom of movement in the, in the Hoda. And I guess for me, that's the thing that is just a little bit like scary. It's like, are we going to lose the Hoda? And if, the, no. if, we, if, if Capoeira develops in that sense where we lose the Hoda, what does Capoeira become? You know, yeah. like that's... No, I, I, I agree that Capoeira is the Hoda, is, is like what we do is to play, right? But, but uh, I think that this will pass. You know, there is like, I, I don't see a future where everybody's going to be self-isolating forever. This will pass, you know, like this pandemic pass. You know, if you think about it, the amount of people that died a hundred years ago, you know, and proportionally is much more than today. It's just, it's just a perspective. You know, I'm sure there is, you know, people on top who would like to keep it like this. Or, you know, of course, not, not going conspiracy or anything, but. There's uh, uh, oh, so much going around just now anyway. So like, it's like, you know, so much of it. I said there's so much conspiracy going around anyway. Like it's every crazy. Day this is the thing. There were people protesting in London every weekend. People protesting against against wearing masks, you know. And and this is the thing, like in, in the in the East, in the Far East, wearing a mask is is a habit. You are sick, you are a you are a mask. And people just saying that it's it's oppression. It couldn't be further from the truth. It's actually it's showing that you're considerate. You know, because why people, why do doctors wear a bloody mask when they are having surgery? There is a reason for that, you know, so it's, it's kind of like, so there is this, this whole anti-vax. I get it from the two sides because I, I guess like, you know, like, you know, the West is really used to their, their freedom in a sense. Like, so when you're told that you, you can't get on something because you, you know, can't get on the subway because you're not wearing a mask or you're going to be fined a thousand pounds for not wearing a mask and this i guess like they take it kind of close to heart you know um yeah so no they definitely do but, but people have to understand that it's, it's it's not about them right it's about you spreading the virus 90 percent of the people don't get any symptoms so it's it's about like didn't they do the 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 statistics and the science on it to say that actually wearing a mask didn't do anything 
that was the thing. Like, I think maybe that's why they're kind of pissed off. No, I mean, that, that, I mean, sure, there is articles writing this, but it's. I think it's been proven that wearing a mask it stops you spreading the virus. You know, in case if you have it. I guess there's double standards. Like, if you look at the case, like in America, look at like people. I know a lot of people were like uh, slagged for not wearing masks and like, oh my god, like I, I need to go for my haircut. I'm not wearing a mask. There was a lot of this going on, but at the same time. There was a lot of people from America saying, like, you know, like there's a lot of riots going on. I say not riots, say like like protests going on, and like they had made a rule where, like, in a protest of thousands and thousands of people, you were okay to not wear the mask, but when you go to like the supermarket, you have to wear a mask. So people were mad, yeah. and I guess in the yeah, UK, there are some inconsistencies there. It's, you know, the, the rules that the rules are not clear, and I think really to be honest, like the governments have oh, messed total up big failure. time. Failure. Yeah, I mean, like, that's, this is, it's, it's so, like, 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 just now, listen, I mean, I'm, I'm in China, and ever since, China's very robotic, the way they do things, and you can, like, slag them for this, you can say, oh my god, like, this is, like, such a, like, whatever state, they're just robotic, the way they do things, for example, like, I got my, I got my negative results back today from the COVID-19 test at the end of my quarantine. So the guy literally came to the door and he was like, congratulations, you're negative. And I'm like, thank you. And like two minutes later, a lady came up and she chapped it like, with a whole mask, biohazard mask on. And she's like, I'm here to do your temperature. And I was like, well, like he just gave me the results. I'm negative. This is like pointless. Yeah. She was like, no, I understand it, 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 it is. But, but my point is with that is like, they're like, it stresses. Yeah. You, can, you can mock them for that, but they, they don't miss an inch. And it's yeah, the but there, now there is a reason. There, there are reasons for that system, right? Well, but, but my point is like that China now is one of the safest countries in the world for COVID-19. It's because they don't make an inch. They've not, they've not, whereas in like in the UK, it was like, well, let's just leave the things open. People come in, they don't have to quarantine. It's like, well, now like the government has messed up and they're making the people pay for it and the people are mad. And that's why there's protests going on in the UK. No, I, I, I agree. I agree that should be, people should be, you know, the, 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 the chief advisor of the government broke all the COVID restrictions rules, you know, by driving 250 miles and nothing happened to him. So like, I agree, like, if you don't find him, why are you going to find anybody else? You know? So, so there is, there are plenty of reason to, to be upset with how the government it is, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just a new thing. And there is a lot of people complaining about it, but yeah, it's a, it's a challenging times, man. Challenging times. So how, did you want to say something? Yeah, I was just, I was, I guess, just to end on that, I'm just, I, my, I guess what I was going to say was, like, I'm just concerned about, like, you know, like, people's, like, kind of businesses in the UK just now. I guess, like, most people haven't went through it, and I understand it, because I literally went through, like, nine months of, like, this, with the whole, you know, business collapsing, and, like, economic, like, and losing, financially losing everything. Like, for example, like, I'm British, but I'm entitled to nothing, because I work and live in China. And so, like, I like, and and Britain doesn't owe me anything because I don't live in Britain. So I was in limbo land. I lost everything. I had to like beg, steal, and borrow to make things happen. But I can feel people's pain just now. They're about to go through this. Where like now they're talking about a second, you know, like thing. Me. So I think people are like, uh, it, it's difficult times. And like, yeah, I guess the government, the, ha the government has to think something about like helping the people out. And, yeah. Like, 
And I think it's coming, you know, like like uh, we were talking before, how the pandemic can have uh, uh, increased the, the acceleration of change. You know, so people are talking about uh, uh, basic income. People are talking about, you know, just just even how because is this the people in power they will try to use everything on the benefit if you look you know like they gave a trillion to the banks in the uk and they gave some help for the 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 employers some help for the self-employed and and they are also helping the work the workers i cannot really speak for because i don't really know but there has been help for I have been helped by the British government and I'm grateful for it. But I think that people need is to to really look into the small print of things, you know, like how it's dealt with the banks, how money is, you know, the, the whole policy, because it's I think in a certain way is very binary. You know, you look how China dealt with the virus and you look at how the US dealt with the virus and then you can choose which one is the best. It's very clear. The answer is very clear. You know, and then you can it's, see it's very clear. Like it's very clear. And, and if you see like how they have been doing, say, if you look into quantitative easing in the UK in 2016, they gave the equivalent of six thousand pounds for every man, woman, and child in this country to the banks for quantitative easing to increase the rate of loans that the banks do, and it failed. And it failed consistently over two, three years. Like quantitative easing has not reached the 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 design goal. Six thousand pounds for every person in this country. And when you think, if you think about saying that, like, oh, so why don't we just give six thousand pounds to every man, woman, and child, regardless of their income? And people are gonna call you a communist, you know. And that people are gonna be lazy and shit. And while the actual research on this is the opposite, you know, that actually when you have because this happened with me, my students rallied together and 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 they did like a fundraiser for me, you know. And I in exchange I start teaching my online classes for free. And what did that do? That put me at ease. And what did I do? I start saying, look, my 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 back is covered. Let's see what's happening in Brazil. Let's raise money now to go in Brazil. And, you know, in this uh, uh, period, we managed to, to help 350 families, you know. So this is what happens when your survival is not at stake. You start looking for one another, you know. So I, I really think that... I, I guess just to, sorry to cut you off, I guess just to go on that and like what you're talking about, like the money being dished out in certain places and money being given and all that kind of stuff. And the digital age of the world now has been like pushed into this digital age. Like now that, for example, UK has did their like entire like um, uh, the entire first lockdown and the furloughs have went out and all the money has gone out to go into to go into a second session of this. The only way it's going to be possible is if we start printing more money, which looks like the the the, the currency itself is going to drop dramatically as it did when that happened in March and it dropped 25, the lowest it's been in 25 years. So I guess my point is, and I've been doing a lot of research into this like over the past year about things, is that it seems to me that the currency itself, the pound, the dollar, oh, yeah. is heading for a massive drop, which means the new age of currency is coming out. And yeah. 
to me, that looks like things like cryptocurrency is putting a big step in the world. Oh, yeah. just now. Blockchain technology. Yeah. All that. So I think, you know, like that, that itself, I mean, we're talking about like the change of capoeira in the world and the digital concept and the whole concept of the world. I said, once you change the currency of the world, like that's yeah, when man. things change. You know, and that's well, what I think. I'm curious about what's going to happen with this. You know. Yeah, and and, and just taking, taking the you'll be taking bitcoins for your classes, mestre. Yeah, no, I mean it's a thing in China already. People do bitcoins and stuff. But what I, I want to use, everywhere. I want to use the hook of what you said about being capoeira and why you train capoeira for, and you know, to be that moment in the harder. And I want to also say, uh, remind a quote from Mestre Nestor Capoeira where he says that uh, in Europe, something, I, I, I'm not paraphrasing, I'm not remembering exactly, but he says something like, oh, in Europe, we have the, the psychoanalysis. In the, in the East, we have the Zen, Zen culture. And in Brazil, we have capoeira, you know? So in a philosophical level, I think capoeira is, is about those guys back in the day that were like, you know, kind of runaway slaves or freed slaves that look at their options, you know, and they look and they saw that I can work as a, do, do, as a domestic worker, as there used to be domestic slaves, and be nothing, or I can hustle my way in. So it's like, it's people realizing that that system was flawed by design, you know, and, and, and that insight into things, they feel like, because capoeira is about in a way, it's about fooling the other one. It's about deceiving that you're going to do a move and you do another move, right? So it's about reading a situation. And, and the, the world is like that. There is a, a, a beautiful ladainha from Mestre Paulo dos Anjos that he talks about how deceiving this world is, you know? So I think that if you look through the, these eyes of being a capoeirista and what it actually means to be a capoeirista, that you should look into this world and see, you know, like... Uh, uh, there is this documentary is amazing. It's called uh, Adapted. Adapted. Yeah, no, no, it's called the Spider's Web. Because all of this talk of policies and money, there is all this tax evasion loopholes where there is, you know, and you can't really think in the system trying to improve if you don't improve that. You know, if people can cheat, put money out, and 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 uh, is a system that also puts in place corrupt elites in, 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 in third world countries, you know, and then politicians also depends on this because any politician who is, who is bribe, you know, who is bribe, takes bribe, he's got an offshore account. The former prime minister, you know, parent, father was a guy who had a, a massive uh, uh, history on dealing on those tax havens. It's called Spider's Web. I'll send you the link after us to look and you just look at this whole history of how it is. Huh? But I guess what I guess what you're talking about, Mestre, is the the deepest like the deepest uh, point of capoeira. I guess beyond the hoda, what you're talking about is when a capoeira becomes capoeira becomes not a training concept but a way of life, and everything you see is a capoeira. How you adapt, like how you, when you take the hoda to the other the real world, the world yeah. becomes a hoda. How you adapt to you have to be flexible. You have to be aware. You have to like you know, have eyes on the back of your head, you know, like, I guess that's, that's like the philosophical part of it, where like, yeah, like, yeah. this why it's important, is, like, keep this connection with Brazil, you know, keep this connection with Brazil and, and the history and where it came from and never forget do you, that. Do you think that will happen? 
I mean, like, because now I see capoeira, like, in so many different, like, levels and different... I mean, I guess the Brazilian aspect is still there with good, the Portuguese good. and blah, blah, blah. But there's good. so much, like, look at it. Look! Look at that! Look at the, the Azerbaijan stuff. Like they're doing, like now they're doing capoeira fighting. Yeah, um, the sports side of the capoeira. Biggest, one of the biggest groups in the world is the one in Israel. Like, um, like yeah, capoeira changing like all over the place. Like, what do you think? I mean, do you think? I think there like, there is. Uh, decades, they're gonna have that Brazilian like thing to it. Like, or, like. So you think I, I, I think I think is this. You know, like our group, Group Sanzala who soon will be 60 years old, is the only group that I know of that there were no leaders. Yeah, it was all some kids from Rio that start training together and revolutionize capoeira, how it's taught. A lot of the system, like if people wear a cord on the, on the, on the trousers, it's, it's, it, it, we were the first ones to do that, you know. But we are also... Uh, benefited from a competition you know it helped us give uh, give us notice at a national level but the competitions and my father was the guy who won the first two golden beating balls yeah the beating ball Jouro tournaments so he says that in theory capoeira in in a competition it must not be like the competition has to work around what capoeira is and not the other way around. You cannot take capoeira out of its context of the energy because in the end of the day, I would only support something that would give capoeira a good visibility. And when you have those competitions, for me, I cannot watch. It's cringy to watch. If you you know ever watched it, you you know what I mean. Yeah, so, I, I've, I've seen like it's, it's like it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, but like I, I guess I guess it's like I don't know. I guess like just start to clarify. I, I guess like like yoga, right? Yoga and in a certain sense in India was very traditional, very traditional the way you do yoga. And now yoga these days, like my God, there's like fifty different categories. You've got hot yoga, baby uh, goats, uh, kid goats, uh, hopping on you, like. <laughs> yeah, like you've got like a hundred. I even had there was a yoga called drunk yoga. Like where you get drunk and that like like that's I mean so like do, do you think like capoeiras that this is gonna happen where you just have different styles like of capoeira it's just like fighting capoeira traditional capoeira I think it's capoeira happening capoeira, already in, 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 capoeira, in a way capoeira dance you know like whatever you know like I think man capoeira touches people you know and people will interact with it but you know just. I am 100% sure that both capoeira and yoga, there was never so many people doing capoeira and yoga, never before in his life, you know? And and uh, even if you start doing drunk yoga or, you know, or if you start because you watched a capoeira competition, eventually you're going to go into the source. You're going to, if you study about it, you will go on to it. So I, I support on, on the sense that it can reach more people, but you, we have to make sure that we take, we make it very clear where Capoeira comes from and, you know, back to the source, you know? And at the same time... But how do you think that's possible? Like, I guess I guess it's what I said before about the Hoda, because when that happens, yeah. you have all the dynamics, you lose the source, which is the Hoda. So how do you, how do you bring that back? Or do you just keep it in a certain group and say, this is traditional Capoeira and this is what we do? And then you start calling yourself traditional Capoeira. Like, like, I, like I, I can only speak, I can only speak for, for 
what I can do, you know, and what I can do is 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 mentioning to my my students that you have to go and experience it. You know, you have to go to Brazil and experience, it, and you have to not forget of where we came from. You know, that it was about a, a slave. You know, a, a people who were enslaved who built a country. You know, and and uh, so for me, it's very clear cut. We live today the result of the past, you know, but uh, but uh, so so there are I think so like just to finalize this thing with the sport, I think that stories are much more powerful, you know. I went around the world with capoeira because of a story, because of a film, you know. So whatever beating, whatever the positive impact of beating Baljoro had on our group, right? Uh, a film like. Only the strong or all the other sports uh, films that happen. Those films, if you go anywhere in the world, anywhere in Asia, you know, Indonesia, Iran, they started Kapura because of that film that they watched. You know, so the power of, of a storytelling, I think it's it's uh, it's really important. And I think like the, this is what I think it's it's really cool is to try to capture. The, I, I agree with you. In the screen, a, a film that that would be much more a positive impact because you can tell the story and yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I, I I definitely agree with you. I think I think stories are a very important thing. I think um, not just in Capoeira, like the whole world, like we we learn a lot of our morals and ideals from stories that we were told when we were kids. Um, I'm just curious about like how do how do you maintain that storytelling? Um, not from the side of having a Hollywood movie, but as a as a as an individual, as a caporista, how do you do it? Is it done through ladainas or like, because you know ladainas is a difficult concept to understand for somebody who doesn't speak Portuguese or whatever. Like, how yeah. how do you maintain that story? How do you yeah, how I mean, do you I, as a, take that to the next level? And like, say for example, I have a daughter and I wanted to to keep the, give the story of capoeira to her. So like, yeah. how do you do that? I think you 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 gotta try try to to do your best, you know. And you mentioned like the Hollywood film, even the uh, a B Hollywood film. This is what we are talking. About. This is what caused so many people to hear about capoeira. And when they look into okay, I want to learn about capoeira, they're gonna think about Brazil, you know. And so today, Brazil, capoeira is the biggest cultural export of Brazil. Is the reason why people are learning Portuguese is the biggest reason why people are learning Portuguese. Say it again. Jiu-jitsu maybe as well. Yeah, jiu-jitsu is they, they they go there, but you you can learn jiu-jitsu without having to learn a cup. You know, it's is a martial art, but for sure there's people that go to Brazil because of that. You know, they learn, but that are man jiu-jitsu is uh, is big, and also. Is, is there is this link to Brazil, but it's a martial art, you know. It, I mean, I, I don't want to dismiss, and I have massive respect. I actually started doing jiu-jitsu, and I had to stop because of the pandemic. And, and actually, it's a martial art that really goes along really well with capoeira because it kind of starts where capoeira finishes, and it's it's a great for your your body as long as they don't overstretch your arm. But but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, there is some of that, unfortunately. But uh, but uh, 
you know, I think it's, it's, I can only, I can only, it's what we can do. And I think like, it, it reminds me of the salvaguarda process that is happening in our group. Because the salvaguarda is like this initiative to document and preserve the memory of the founders of the group, which are already all on between 70 and 60 year old guys, you know? Uh, uh, because so Hills and Gahishan, the youngest founders, they were like eight and uh, they were 10 at the time, you know, and when the group started. And so the, the, this movement is to, to record the memory of the masters so this can be preserved. You know, our group, man, is, is something that is unique in Capoeira because it has all this time, all this tradition. And we are, we are, I am one of the guys who is helping doing the mapping of every single red cord of our group and and try to document how they how they operate how they relate to each other masters how they set up the music you know in our group there is there is some minor difference on some younger grades you know how we grade kids how we grade up to the blue cord uh, so we're doing this massive mapping which is exactly this is to preserve our 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 history preserve our memory so we can you know work for the for the and preserve this for the future generations so i think it's movements like this you know the salvaguarda this kind of like recording of the memory of capoeira you know which capoeira grows as as an like it spreads out and then people look into so like capoeira in the 70s and 80s really spread out the style influenced by the martial art or oriental martial art this is what group sanzala did they went you know mestre bimba was the first mestre to make a, a sequence of movements for you to learn capoeira until then capoeira was only taught by what they used the old guys used to call the oitiva which is kind of eyeing you know it's not even a verb huh the handbook of capoeira basically the bingo sequences yeah 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 so group sanzala took that to another level which is they broke down like the jinga how is the jinga supposed to be the technique the detail and and the influence of the martial arts like karate and taekwondo of like repeating the kick a hundred times and that went off and really boomed capoeira but then at some point the masters you know when my father was young they said okay so what about the source? Let's let's go after the the old masters. So there was this whole rebirth of like rethinking about capoeira, going valuing the old masters, and and uh, at the same time, too much mechanization had a bad inf impact in capoeira. It became too violent, and then now now the more playful capoeira is coming back. So capoeira goes in phases, you know, it's always changing. But I think that as long as people are interested, they always are going to look into where Capoeira come, came from. They're always going to try to look at, into Brazil. And, and I think that's, yeah, that, that's how it, it will be. Have you thought about books, about making a book, Mestre? I have, I have. I have or even something like, 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 sim, like, sim, like, for example, simple stories for kids, like, cap, like Capoeira stories and take like, you know, Bizor like Bizorro or something, making it into a kid's book, you know, things yeah. like this. Because I think I, want, I would really like to see somebody do something like this. That's really like... There is people doing... You remember like in the, in the WeChat group, somebody posted a, a, a cartoon 
made by some, uh, I think, I don't know if it's Mestre Ombrinho or a Mestre Ombrinho student about capoeira. Did you, I don't know if you watched that. It's a YouTube, no, it's, it's a YouTube animation. It's really nice. You should, you should look into it. I, I will look at it and I'll send you a link. It's really, really nice. Yeah. And there is also like this whole teaching capoeira for young kids. And now I have some friends who are doing some content of like some kid, kids video, you know? And, and uh, Mestre Ferradura has done a lot of that as well, like, you know, specialized. Because capoeira in real, man, before even you can walk, there are classes for capoeira, you know, for kids, toddlers, you know? And, and uh, of course, it's, it's about using the elements of capoeira into a recreational class. But there is, this is where capoeira is the youngest, is, is capoeira and judo that starts like at two, that are you know mums and todds kind of capoeira class so that is this is this is what i wanted to to do now is to have some time to actually study this you know and and then pass it on but yeah i guess i guess i guess i, guess, I mean like i know i know brazil like there's capoeira classes at very young ages and to be honest like it makes sense because like what is kids what are babies doing when they're crawling about anyway they're doing capoeira it's like the basic of movements yeah um I guess like I'm wondering like I've not seen a lot of it but like and I know there's like YouTube videos or something and that kind of does but I mean like like kids literature like books like yeah. books about certain aspects of stories like because that's that's something I've never seen I've seen one of the one of the, the teachers in uh, Shanghai Sylvia I know she made a comic book about yeah Canada. I've seen that it's amazing yeah it's amazing but it's only one yeah only one and like there are bits the and bobs there I think <laughs> You know, you know who Kinya from our group, Anharad. She she was talking about doing. I think she did a, a little animation, a little a little a little child's book, children's book. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's it's about researching into that and looking into that for sure. It's a, it's a new terrain. Man, we are, we're coming up to. Say it again. I said, for, I guess for me that would be like the next uh, evolution of capoeira storytelling. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. kids need stories. Like we really need. Like you want them to stick at it for a long period of time. You need to have to give them stories. Yeah, I guess to dream cool. on, to capture their imagination yeah. for sure, for sure, man. Exactly. Mo, thank you very much. I think we 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 done quite a bit here. We cover a lot of stuff. It was a great talk, and it kind of flowed really yeah, nicely. Nice and and uh, so, what is the plan now for Group Senzala in Guangzhou? You know, you're coming back on Tuesday, and I'm sure you are really pumped up to first get cracking well, well, with your, your work. For, 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 and if I'm, if I'm going to be like deadly straight with you, first thing for me to do is to just uh, get, the business get out going. of here, this quarantine, and then to fly fly down to Guangzhou, and then to um, get to, to get a flat. Like we, <laughs> I've not got a house to live. Like that's how that's how that's that's the situation at the moment. Like so. Capoeira, I love it. It's got, it will come. Yeah, it will it, come. It will come. Moment, it's Prior, nice first things first. Like it's basics, yeah, basics. Need to get a no, man, plan we together, should... stuff like financially stuff, and then like we'll see what happens from there on. In. For sure, man. For sure. I, 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 I wish you the best of luck. It's amazing that you know this, this, uh, these seven months have been like, and and uh, I'm sure you're gonna you're gonna do great. And I'll, I, I will be in touch, man. And thanks very much for this. It was really, really, no, no, really no, good no, conversation. 
yeah, it was a great conversation. If I can say anything to anybody just now who listens to this podcast and during these hard times is uh, have faith in the unknown, persevere, like train, train every day. One of the biggest things that got me through this, like I've not seen my family for six months now because of the situation and what's going on is training every day. Like if, like this, like you, if you train every day, like it's not just a, a physical aspect. It's a, it's a mental. mental yeah, man. You need, and you need this to get through life just now. Like with times are tough. So yeah. don't give up, keep persevering, train because it, it's not just for your body, it's for your mentality, okay? So Cool. Man, thank you very much. Have a good one. All the best of luck and we'll be in touch, my man. Asha. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Mr. Awesome conversation. Nice one. So that was it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the talk with the Gorilla. And uh, just before you go, I want to give you an update on Capura Solidaria project. Uh, things are moving a little slower than previously thought, mostly because of the reinforcing of the lockdown. You know, it's coming, it's coming back across Europe. So that makes the Capura Solidaria challenge, you know, where we are asking, challenging different Capuristas to do a little solo in pro. Of, uh, of our project to raise awareness and to raise funds, but uh, it's just gonna slow us down a little bit, it's not gonna stop us. But uh, we are also coming up with a Capoeira memory game for Christmas, and that's gonna be cool. And at the same time, you know, we are looking out for ambassadors, people who already supported the project, but they wanna do something more uh, longer term, in all the information on satella.co.uk there you also find out all the all the history of the project from the day we started you know how much money we raised the communities that we have supporting the idea of the project you know we, we just right now we want to just support the during the pandemic we just want to support the different projects you know the families that are helped by the project and that I need we are giving food baskets we already gave over 400 baskets but um, we are also doing a mapping of the different social projects you know so we can have a, a build up this database and in the future we can be able to help them in a more efficient way and uh, if you want to find out more about the project, just go to santalo.co.uk. There you find there is a section all of for Capoeira Solidaria telling the history from the day we started, the communities that we are helping. And uh, if you want to become an ambassador, get in touch because we are forging these new these new connections. You know, so when we do come out of this lockdown, we won't be able to to do more things at a short space of time so have a big impact and uh, yeah i'm excited i hope you guys enjoyed it and i'll see you guys in the next episode valeu Ashe.